chestnuts roasting on an open fire, Jack Frost nipping at your nose, Yuletide carols being sung by a choir, <laughs> and folks dressed up like Eskimos, everybody knows, a turkey and some mistletoe help to make the season bright. Tiny tots with their eyes all aglow will find it hard to sleep tonight. <laughs> Thanks, Jazz. That was nice. I thought I'd get you in the mood. No, it's perfect. <laughs> Thank you for putting us in the mood. I know we're recording this before the holidays, which is always great. I'm already listening to the tunes on my uh, my my device. They're all coming up now. November one, man. Yeah, that's just how it works. Day after right? Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show, man. Welcome to the construction life. Thanks for having me again. This is this having is me again, by the way. I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah. I haven't had you on the show yet. We, I know we talked before. No, you had me. This is how long ago it was. You had me episode thirty-five. When are you? No, we haven't. Yeah, episode thirty-five. Are you sure about that? I'm pretty sure. Okay. Before the building show in 2019. Yeah, I'm trying to remember that. Yeah. Did we do that? Really? Yeah. <laughs> are you sure about that i'm telling you the truth i don't think you guys have it. or unless we did it at the building show it, it was yeah it was in 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 toronto for that's sure. what that's what i thought it was yeah. okay yeah, yeah now i remember okay yeah, well okay. welcome back man yeah, thanks and i want to say i was looking through the podcast list and you're over 300 so yeah. Yeah. congratulations on, on our that, way man. to 350 that's amazing i yeah. don't think we there's a finish line yeah, uh, yeah, I like that. There's, uh, I've been pretty aggressive with the shows and trying to get as much, and and also yeah. people have been reaching out to me, yeah. wanting to come on the show, which is a nice compliment. Absolutely. Uh, so it's good to have you here. It's good Thank to see you, you again. Thank I know you. that we haven't seen. I'm sure you haven't seen a lot of people in a while because of how everything's been. Yeah, it's uh, it's been interesting, but we're back. Uh, we're seeing people again. I was just talking to you outside about the building show. Yep. Um, and and you know things were sort of back to normal this year, which is great. Uh, I think the most important thing in construction, you know, the Toronto construction industry better than most is people like people. And that's how relationships get built and how deals get done. And yep. um, those are really critical. So I'm, I'm glad we're back. Yeah, which is good. I miss it because we were busy here, but I'm, I'm sure it was really good. Are you planning on being in uh, Vegas or IBS? Um I, uh, am I planning on it? Like yeah, I, try, no, I, try, I try and stay away from Vegas. Gonna, I know. <laughs> Proco will be there. Listen, yeah. trust me, I'm not yeah. a fan of Vegas either. And, and no no shots out towards Nevada and that whole city and everything. I just, yeah. I've been there so many times Yeah, I've done the same thing. Yeah. Uh, just like I, I've got the t-shirt. I, I really wish, I really wish that they would mix it up because I did love it when it was in New Orleans. I loved it when it was in Chicago, uh, yeah. even Atlanta. I just want, but I mean, I'm not, yeah. it's Vegas or Florida, Vegas or Florida. Yeah. But that's another thing. So today we're, we're going to talk a lot about Procro and sure. what you guys are doing. And, and for anybody who doesn't know what's going on and, and how it all works, we're just going to walk right through it. I want to do a quick shout out to Matthew in Rescom. I'm wearing his tee today. As you probably know, I wear different people's tees on every single show. And so I'm just giving him a shout out at Rescom underscore uh, GC. You'll find him there. Uh, but right now we're talking with Jazz. How do you pronounce your last name? Sarah. As in Sarah. K Sarah. K Sarah. Sarah. So it's www.procore.com and it's jazz.sarah, S A R A W, at procore.com and on instagram is procore tech and you can also find him on linkedin and the number to reach them is 866-477-6267 so where do you want to begin um what's the origin of this origin of procore yeah. uh, actually probably a very timely question uh we just hit our 20 year anniversary um a few months back um so um, it began in the early 2000s. Uh, a, a young gentleman who's no longer a young gentleman called uh, Tui 
okay. um, in Santa Barbara, um, set up the business. And um, the, so, so the story goes that, you know, he was uh, building his home in Santa Barbara while living in the Bay Area and was experiencing a lot of issues on the job site um, and wanted to find a way to connect the trades better with him as the owner. Um, just communication, you know, improving the ways, improving the way that, you know, uh, documents were being shared across um, and, you know, reducing the amount of time that was lost in the schedule because, you know, information wasn't flowing as quickly as it needed to. Um, and so that, you know, was the, um, I guess the, the light bulb went off. Um, Procore was born. Uh, he was already working in tech in the Bay Area. Um, and so the first version of that solution came to be. And I think, you know, the, the light bulb really went off when at the end of that job, the contractor that was on that job asked to take the software with him oh. um, so that so he could continue to use it. Yeah. 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 And then you fast forward a bunch of years, um, you know, uh, well, if you remember 2002, as I remember 2002. We were just coming out of a recession, I guess. Coming out of a recession. Yeah. Uh, the, the dot-com boom had just sort of uh, happened. Yeah. Um, but we still weren't connected. You know what I mean? Like in a, in a, in a real way, but Wi-Fi was not ubiquitous like it is today. Yeah. Um, you know, it was very difficult to get connected on the job site especially. And so Tui and his, his team and his partner spent a number of years, you know, hammering antennas into poles to give people access on the job site um, just to win those first few contracts. Um, so it was a real painstaking uh, climb to the top, let's, let's call it. Um, and then I think, the, the, again, the second light bulb went off in uh, the early 2010s um, when we launched our first um, uh, Apple iPhone app uh, for Procore. So oh, wow. uh, Procore's been on the App Store for the better part of the last 12 years okay. and was one of the first uh, apps there and the first construction app of any note there as well. Um, and so that was another one where we were like, okay, you know, we've now taken the next step in that digital evolution. We've given people tools that they can actually use in a real meaningful way on a job site and connect to each other and connect to the back office. Uh, again, were people using them in big numbers? Probably not. You know, you had your bleeding edge customers that were ready to jump on board and try anything. Uh, but the majority of the industry was still sort of stuck in the past. Still and is sometimes. Still, still is sometimes, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that, that's kind of in broad strokes, let's say the first 10, 15 years. And then the last five years have just been rapid growth. Um, a lot of that is attributable just to the fact that, you know, we are at that stage of stage of ubiquity when yeah. it comes to Wi-Fi access, when it comes to office to field. Uh, but also we've educated the industry in a lot of ways uh, around the power of uh, di di digital transformation. Um, you know, the, the productivity we can unlock as an industry, as a software industry yep. in, in, in construction. Uh, by improving some of those processes, uh, by, you know, giving workers the tools they need to communicate more effectively, by de-risking a lot of jobs, you know, whether it's change orders or rework. Um, there's so much you can do with technology if it's done right. Um, that can drive a lot of benefit for for the industry and, and businesses everywhere. And, and you know, when we talk about, and I, I hate to go I'm going on a diatribe here. No, go ahead. But when, when we talk about, um, you know, some of the industry challenges that we're facing today, um, you know, the labor shortage is the first one that comes to mind. It's always coming up. It's the first on everybody's mind. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think we need like a, a Swiss army knife of an, of an approach to, to solve for that, right? We talk about recruitment and retention. Uh, we talk about delivering the right types of programs to our people so that we can ramp them and keep them. Uh, we talk about uh, education at high school, education in higher ed. Um, we talk about, you know, 
productivity gains is another piece, right? If we can do more with less, then that gives us an opportunity to maybe curb some of the need to hire 150,000 50,000 people over the next 10 years. Some of that's tech. Some of that could be prefab. There's so many different solutions. I think there's a lot more tech coming into construction now, which is really great. But I think that a lot of tradespeople are being bombarded with so much tech. Now that you guys started two decades ago, I think there's a lot of, for lack of a better word, copycats coming onto the market. And they're not as good. They don't work as well. And and I think that... um, there's a lot of confusion going on with tradespeople now. They're trying to figure, they know that they need to enter this landscape. They just don't know how to enter this landscape. Yeah. So how do we, I mean, what was the early, I guess, restriction or the earlier uh, contractors, the tradespeople trying to figure out, do I really need this? Because this is a new toy 20 years ago. And you know construction people are not that uh, clever when it comes to adopting anything, right? And I'll say it because I'm one of them. <laughs> but I'm just like, I, there's a lot of reclu- reluctance at that, that point, right? So yeah. what were some of the things that you, you guys kind of saw in the early days that you're not really seeing today? Um, interestingly, uh, when I, I started with Procore six years ago, and I would go to association events, I would go to trade show events, I would meet with construction customers and prospects, um, and the amount of times that someone would sit down in a boardroom and tell me, hey, I'm fine. I don't need Procore. I've uh, yeah. got an Excel spreadsheet that's been working for me for 20 years um, was remarkable. Uh, what's more remarkable is that no one says that anymore. In five years, that is, is... It's not the conversation. It's not the conversation, right? And so I think we're going on a similar sort of evolution. If you go back 20 to 40 years, you know, the accountants were saying the same thing about ERP solutions, but you would not start a construction company tomorrow and not buy QuickBooks or NetSuite or Oracle or what have you, right? You'd buy a solution to manage your back of house. And so the question I always ask any contractor is if you're willing to do that, why would you not invest in solutions to manage the front of the house? It's true. that's where the money gets made, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think that's, that's sort of the evolution that's taken place in a very broad sense in the last four to five years that I've seen in my time. If you were to describe Procore in one sentence uh, to somebody who doesn't really know anything about it or they kind of have a whiff of it, how would you describe that? Um, Procore is a project execution platform um, that covers all of your construction processes um, from pre-construction all the way through to financial closeout on a project. Um, And all of those uh, solutions and modules are interconnected within the Procore ecosystem so if you're, you know, um, putting together an estimate, uh, a budget, um, a commitment, um, you're, you know, logging change orders, um, you're managing change on a project, um, you're managing quality issues, and so on. Every single one of those tools in Procore is interconnected in a single platform, um, ma- allowing contractors today, which is kind of what you said a second ago, right, which is contractors have a bevy of things at their disposal and they're like they're they're always confused about what do i select and how do i pick that solution and you know how do i make my business run better and it's the age old you know you kind of end up with uh seven or eight different solutions and none of them talk to each other uh the beauty of procore is that all of those process processes effectively um live within a common data environment um so you know small contractors and large contractors alike can can start extracting value from that data um, and, and making better business decisions as well. That was my, my next question is that it's completely applicable to uh, a one tradesperson business versus a larger company that has 100 employees. Um, it's not that difficult to shift gears and change it to adopt it to that small business or that big business, right? 100%, yeah. We, we have uh, 
you know, uh, sometimes you know, customers will come to us when they're just starting a business and they have not yet won a job. And they'll come to us to, to buy Procore because it represents a tool that allows them to go out to market and show that they have adopted technology and that they are ahead of the curve and that they're in a position, you know, to, to represent themselves better to their clients, right? It's funny that, I mean, you say that they do that, yeah. but I don't know a single tradesperson who doesn't buy a bunch of tools before they actually get started on a single right. job. Right. They start adopting more tools as they start getting different projects and they start adding more to their, their carousel of tools, yeah. but they have their go-to, here's my core, this is what's going on, these are all the tools I need to take care of these projects, but I haven't even gotten a single job yet. Yeah. Right, it's the same thing, and yeah. we've we've spoken on the show several, like so many times, about you have to spend that much more effort on the paper side of the business as you are on the actual skill side of the business. Everyone's always focusing on the skills, not focusing on the paper. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think when you think about uh, the paper side, or you know, I like to think of it as um, you know, uh, field to office. Yeah. Um, and we have this massive amount of tradespeople. Um, subcontractors, specialty contractors, um, you know, consultants, engineers, you name it, who are all stakeholders on a job. And we need to find a way to connect them better. Um, and so we need to eliminate as much of that paper as possible because the more we can digitize that paper and the more we can expose that data for, for use for, for, for contractors everywhere, um, the more effective we're going to be ultimately in, in, in decision-making. I think one thing I, I saw was a stat that 96% of data in construction goes unused, right? So I believe that. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, maybe some of it's on paper, but maybe some of it's just in a place where it's not being extracted and not being used to its full potential. Um, but can, there, there's sorry. a lot of, no, it's a lot of, lot of value on, uh, you know, under lock and key at the moment. Can we quantify or use data or regarding our labor hours? Can we quantify? Our efficiency of our, our yeah. crews. Yeah, absolutely. And the absolutely. only reason I bring that up is that over the weekend I had something interesting happen. As the show's been coming along, I've been pulling out some little clips from different shows, previous shows, and I post them on social media. And there was one uh, that came from an earlier show from Heavy Duty Homes uh, with Phil, and he was talking about how when he got started in the business, you know, he was told that uh, we roll at 7.30, uh, so be here by then. And then he showed up at 7.25, but they were already gone, right? So then his boss asked him, what time do you think you should be here? And he says seven o'clock, right? So, I, and we all agree with that. Like you should all, you know, if you're 10 minutes late, then you're on time, like kind of, or sorry, if you're 10 minutes early, you're on time, but you're right. not really on time. You should be a little bit sooner than, you should be ready to go. Yeah. Then some some jokers I call on social media started jumping on going, you expect me to show up for a half hour before and not be paid for my service? And, and that's not what I'm, we're, that's not what we're discussing here. Right. We're talking about efficiency. And it just came to, I've always seen successful construction companies that, uh, the employers care about the business, then that care is going to turn around and come from the employer to the employee. Right. That's all we're asking for. We're not asking for you to come in for a half hour work for free and expect any free labor out of that. No, we're just, you're ready to go. You're ready yeah. to start swinging a hammer. It's not like you, you show up at the exact time. So yeah. that's what I'm just trying to think of. I think a lot of successful businesses these, these days are looking at the efficiency of their yeah. employees and their sub trades and everybody else, right? So I'm just trying to figure out if that could also come into Procore and, and we can start looking at that because uh, data is a big thing. Yeah, I think, um, so So we, we have a, a, a tool in Procore called um, Workforce Management, um, which really helps. So the, 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 the easiest way to think about it is having the right people on the right job at the right time um, and reducing as much of the um, admin or non-productive work that happens yeah. um, on a job site. 
And so tools like that will drive efficiency. And, and fa- frankly, if you're, if you're a business owner, you own a construction company of any shape or size, what you're trying to do, and maybe this is something that, I don't know, um, people need to understand, I think, to some degree as well, is that your goal is to get people home on time, yeah. right? And safe, safely home. And so any of these tools that can drive that type of level of efficiency so people don't have to put in 14 or 16 hour days um, are ultimately going to create a better situation for everyone, right? Mentally for the folks who are on a job site, physically in terms of their ability to do the job. From a safety perspective, you're going to have a lot more uh, safe or unsafe uh, issues on a job site the longer you work. Um, and so I think that those are the types of tools that we can deliver to market that can start improving some of those efficiencies and productivity. So what are some of these business owners doing wrong? Because we always talk about how we don't have enough time. There's too much going on. Like I can't maximize my day. I'm trying to get more work or be more efficient, but all their solution. And you know, this jazz is like their solution is just to get more projects, Yeah, get more projects, but then you're, you're treating the same project over and over the same way. So you're not really moving forward or advancing. You're just doing the same thing over and over. How can we get them to understand that there's better, more efficient ways to do things on the job site? Like use like you, your program. That's, but what else is that that we can possibly do? That's a really good question. Um, I, I think a lot of it starts with a, a mind shift in, in terms of how people, um, you know, see technology as an enabler, right? Um, oftentimes it's seen more as a CYA, yeah. you know, I know, and, uh, that's probably the wrong way to look at it. You know, then, then you come from a position where, you know, you, you're looking at it through a negative lens. Um, but you really need to look at how you enable. So, so a good way to do it, I think is when you go through the process of evaluating technology before you decide whether it's, you know, Procore or something else, um, you got to ask yourself, what are you trying to solve? You know, what yeah. in your business are your strategic objectives? Um, are you a company that wants to grow and scale? Um, do you have a multi-generational family Then you want to hand it to the next person in that generational line and what do they want to do with it? Um, what processes currently work and don't work? You know, how much rework are you doing on, on your jobs currently? Um, is that an issue that you want to solve for, right? And, and where do you think the productivity gains are, are hidden? Once you've made those types of decisions, you've done a bit of like internal sort of navel gazing, Yeah. Um, then you can go to you know, the, the market at large, um, for software and, you know, you can start assessing the tools that are going to help meet some of those needs. Right? What are we talking about time-wise here, Jess? Like if, if you got, let's say you've got a dinosaur, we've yeah. got, you know, a tradesperson, call it my age or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, and, and they've been f- fearful of trying to adopt anything new tech wise, because we're so used to writing everything on a piece of two by four yeah. and that's our organizational level. Right. How much time should I be committing to myself to go through this, sit down, reevaluate my business, all that stuff? Because in their mind, you know this, yeah. they think it's months and months, if not years and years to actually yeah. make this change, right? It's not. Though. It's not. It's yeah. not. That That is, you know, you're absolutely spot on. You, you hit the nail on the head. Um, and I don't want to paint every person over the age of 50 with the same I'll brush. Do don't worry. I'll you do you that. go ahead. Because <laughs> I've come across some superintendents uh, and, and other folks who are fully embracing technology yes. because yes. you know as much as they might be you know they might have the fat fingers on the ipad and all that kind of stuff um they've seen enough of what bad looks like yes to know what's possible with with technology um and so there is that sort of contingent of that workforce that's actually ready to go you know 
Um, but you're right. I think there is there is this sort of um, mischaracterization of what a technology implementation looks like. And the one phrase we always use in at Procore since I started six years ago is uh, folks being burned by technology. Right. Yeah. And in construction, people have been burned consistently time and again by technology. And our goal at Procore is to, A, drive what we call time to value. So we're going to put the software in your hands. But we're not going to make you wait six to 12 months for you to start extracting value out of that tool. So our implementation services, our professional services teams, a lot of them ex-industry, uh, right? So we, we hire maybe 30 to 40% of our total workforce is ex-industry. That's very nice. Um, you know, th those are the folks that are, you know, putting those solutions in place with our customers that know their processes end-to-end, -end, have worked in the field most likely, um, and can start driving benefit in a matter of weeks, you know? Um, and we've seen that time and time again. So um, that's not to say it's always the same for every contractor. You might have a billion-dollar contractor with 17 offices across Canada. It might take a bit of time, right? But for, for the most part, we can get moving really, really fast. All right, so let, let me just take a little pause here. Track Codes offers tradespeople up-to-date versions of the National Building Code of Canada and provincial codes like the OBC right on their devices. Gone are the days of lugging around massive binders. We know how big my binders are. Track Codes has easy-to-use search functions and pop-up definitions so you can find exactly what you're looking for within seconds. And with the ability to annotate and bookmark, you can share specific sections with anyone on your site so everyone's on the same page. Check out Track Codes at trax.co and get your first 30 days of convenience for free. Are you guys, I'm just assuming here, you're outside of North America now. Yeah, I don't know what the country count is these days, but I, I'm uh, just fascinated. We're, we're, we're everywhere. Yeah, it's the same thing with this show. I mean, I've got people listening to the show all over the place, and I'm just still fascinated by that. Yeah. So I just assume that you guys are also because it's con I say construction is its own language. Yeah. So I mean, if, it makes sense that it would be in different countries, right? Yeah. So uh, today it's um, France, Germany, uh, UK, um, the Middle East, and North Africa, Asia Pacific as a whole. Wow. Primarily in Australia, New Zealand, and so on. Uh, Canada and the US, obviously, and then Latin America. So we've covered the globe pretty well. Um, obviously, you know, it, some areas are more mature than other areas, just based on kind of how long we've been in those markets. Um, but you're absolutely right. The language of construction is very similar. Um, but there's a massive effort that we, we put in from a re research and uh, development perspective in terms of what we call localizing our product. Um, so even, you know, in, in Canada, we're, we're pretty close to what the U.S. does in terms yeah. of our construction process. We're similar. Just don't tell the Americans just, that. Yeah, please don't tell them that. <laughs> uh, otherwise, they'll, you know, consume us as the 51st no, state. No, there's differences in between the two of us, but we basically build very similarly. Similarly, yeah, yeah right, similarly. for sure. Uh, but even then, like, you know, just, just simple things like, you know, deficiencies again versus punch lists or you know, tenders versus bids, right? And just, just the language of construction can vary. Liens, you know, is not something that we see very much in, in the Canadian market. So there's just, you know, those types of variants. But think about that from a product perspective. Like we have to, you know, develop that type of contingency in the product to make sure it meets each individual market needs. Um, and that's a big lift on, on Procore's part, but one that we're committed to to ensure that, you know, this is a global platform that solves for global problems. Would it be an advantage, I'm just curious, would it be an advantage for a new user to speak to another Procore user 
of a such a massive scale. So let's say, would it make sense to have a, a one or two person business speaking to another business that maybe has 40 employees and asking their opinion or how they run it? Because their scale is a lot different when they would yeah. be tendering jobs, estimating and all this other stuff. And, and the scope of work would be a lot different. Is that an advantage? For someone or, or should they look for somebody else that's on the same level as them 99 times out of 100 it's someone who's on the same level as you okay. so you always look for similarly sized businesses or similarly situated companies um, because you want to compare apples to apples right um, it doesn't mean that you don't have ambitions and you don't want to be at a certain place in certain time but yeah. you know the processes do get more complex the the you know the the risk becomes greater um the, the bigger you get you know and so i think those problems are better discussed with someone who's kind of been there yeah, and seen it that. Makes sense. You know? so yeah. I'm just trying to think of like the, I guess the sports analogy where you always want to kind of aspire to be this pro player instead of just a minor player that you're just trying to look at. And then there's a lot of people in construction that have a small business, but they aspire yeah. to be this big business one day. Uh, yeah. Some of them. So I just figure that is it worth a conversation at that point? With them? I mean, it certainly doesn't hurt, you know, yeah. uh, we, we always try and facilitate those conversations, you know, with, with customers of ours that have been using our tools successfully for a number of years or months or whatever. Um, so there's, there's not, there's no rule saying you can't, of course, yeah. uh, but generally when I'll put it to you this way, when a, when a, when a prospective customer comes to me and is looking to speak to a customer, they're the ones asking us to put them in touch with someone that's like them. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Let me do a little history and construction here, Jazz. Yeah. Uh, and after that, I want to try to get into, you can walk us through actually using it, right? Sure. Uh, what was the first planner ever in the history of mankind? The first planner? Planner. Uh, I don't know. Pass. <laughs> How far back? <laughs> uh, don't worry. There's no. There's no right or wrong here. I just. I just share it. The planner as we know it today can be traced back as far as 1773, which was Robert Aiken uh, created the first design daily planner for users to make their future without almanac information called the Aiken Registry. Interesting. I didn't know it was. It yeah. went that far back. I was uh, going in my head. I was. Back in ancient Egypt. So. <laughs> who, who invented the organizer? Uh, the electronic uh, diary organizer was invented by an Indian businessman, Sat Satnyan, or Satnyan. Uh, I'm, I'm butchering these names, sorry. <laughs> but uh, uh, Pitrora. In uh, 1975, he is regarded as the one of the earliest uh, pioneers of handheld computer because of his invention of the electronic di diary in 1975. Interesting. Yeah. Who invented calendars? That goes far back now. So Sumerians were the first to use calendars in uh, Mesopotamia uh, during the Bronze Age. Each month on the uh, this calendar had 29 or 30 days, depending on whether or not the first day had a full moon. That's how far back we go. So that's a little history. Uh, <laughs> but now, I w Jazz, I'd love for you to actually, anybody who's not familiar with it, to walk them through it and how it all starts. Um, if we can. I know, unless you want you know, I know we don't have it, but I mean, you want to walk through specifics about it? I'm probably not the right guy for. Okay, all right, sorry. The uh, no, I, I mean, I, I can certainly uh, tell you about the solution okay. and the individual components of it. Um, but you know, typically, you know, more detail you'd want to like see a demo and stuff like that. But um, which we can do on a future podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> okay, all right. So, where do you want to go from here then? Um, I don't know. Like, I mean, certainly um, on on the Procore side of things, we can talk a little bit about you know some of the acquisitions we've made and some of the solutions that we're bringing to bear to the market yeah that's cool um i think that's important just because you know we talked about the labor shortage earlier um and and one have of the, you guys solved it we've we've absolutely solved it one thousand percent yeah <laughs> okay. yeah it's right I'm here listening. <laughs> um we, we acquired a company called labor chart um last year 
um, and labor chart uh, essentially ensures that your workforce um, is properly um, scheduled, properly certified, vetted, uh, vetted, and then you know from from the perspective of um, you know managing multiple projects and ensuring you got the right people on the right projects at the right time, uh, making sure that there's as little to no um, you know lag time between projects so you can deploy people more effectively from job to job. Um, from What's a, it called again? Uh, it, the, so the acquisition was a company called Labor Chart. Okay. Um, we've uh, renamed that workforce management within our platform. Okay. And so that's now fully integrated within the Procore suite. Um, I can find any kind of tradesperson? Well, within within the list of tradespeople that are known to you, um, okay. you can certainly. So again, if you're managing... Uh, 100 jobs and you know who all the people are that are on those jobs you can certainly manage that list of tradespeople within within the workforce management solution environment and rates and yeah yeah that, that's already all predetermined yep. exactly right so all the rate information is in there um, and that's part of the implementation process with our team um, so again if you're if you're thinking about ways to um, do more with less improve your overall productivity in the field uh, make sure your people are effectively deployed at all times, uh, forecast out sometimes three to three to four years or more. Um, you know, it, it's it's actually something that's making a big difference for a lot of folks right now. And it's all of your, I guess, insurance and all your safety and exactly everything. Right. Is, it's all included yep. as part of the rate that they're arriving on site. That's right. And so these are complete, for lack of a better word, strangers that are that you're hiring that come onto your workforce. Well, this this would be whoever you as a general contractor would be hiring to to perform work on your behalf okay um or if you're a you know a, a trade contractor with with a large team um essentially you manage those teams through through the workforce management solution that's pretty cool yeah and is it strictly just north america right now or are you guys also doing that globally we we have expanded it to other markets okay um so it's actually taking off like wildfire at the moment uh, and the reason i bring that up is because um, certainly there's value in all the other tools, but you know, this one tends to resonate quite a bit just with folks that are having, um, trouble managing teams, um, trying to manage schedules, um, you know, like you said, man manage certifications and yeah. insurance and stuff like that. Um, and those are really real problems for a lot of contractors today. So, so that, that one is one, um, we made, uh, another acquisition, which was super interesting, uh, last year as well. It was actually a Toronto based company called Indus.ai. Okay. Um, so folks listening to this, uh, some of them might be familiar with, with that company cause, uh, they had like a computer vision solution. Um, so if you were just using like cameras on site to check for safety issues, or you were using those cameras to, uh, maybe check for, you know, uh, loads and deliveries, um, the computer vision would actually do that, and then they would leverage uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning to inform um, the company whether or not those loads were coming in empty or half full, or you know. So it was basically just leveraging, you know, whatever was visually available to provide insights to the to the job site. And so we acquired that company, and we're now leveraging that artificial intelligence and machine learning capability uh, and applying that across the entirety of the Procore suite. So a good example in the last six months was, um, you're familiar obviously with deficiency lists yeah. um, or punch lists as they're known in the US. Um, we actually created a quick capture feature. So the ability now to take a camera or your iPhone, for example, um, and have the camera rolling as you go through, let's call it a, a, an apartment or, or some sort of area where you're looking for deficiencies. And you can speak um, to, to the 
to the video as you go and it will pick up through natural language processing kind of everything you're saying and automatically apply that deficiency to the appropriate trade. And so we've seen just in logging deficiency issues, like the quick capture capability reduces that by 50% um, at minimum. I like that a lot. Yeah. So, uh, and this is me, like I, I, we get back to productivity, right? And we're yeah. just like, okay, well, if I took 50% off you, of your time for managing deficiency items and you know how painstaking a, a thing that is, like what could you do with that? 50% of time. Well, you can sell more projects and deal with more clients and get more projects. and Right. Yeah. Right. Or finish on time, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's, it's that kind of like... So this is literally you walking around and you're capturing a video and you're discussing what yeah. you're seeing and then it's translating it into the actual video file. Yeah, so I might take this. And, and it's automatically sending it to the tradesperson that's associated you with got that it. deficiency. You got it. Yeah, you say a, a electrical outlet, you know, or chip chip in drywall or you know what have it what have you it will recognize by your voice and what you're saying keywords that would then direct it to the appropriate trade and then there everybody has to be on the same or they're just getting notifications with, through an email or something well like this is the beauty of procore is that it's a um, unlimited user model uh, unlimited data storage model and an unlimited support model so the unlimited user model is actually amazing because now when you've sent it to that trade if they have the app and you've granted them access to a small subset of Procore where they can view deficiency items, yeah. they'll just see it in real time, and they can action it. All right, so Jazz, I, I, like, I love that. Like, that's, that's, that's great. Yeah. What's the cost associated with that? Or is that part of the whole Procore? So the cost to, to a collaborator is zero. Okay. Um, the cost uh, uh, incurred typically um, is for the company that's buying Procore. So it could be, it could be an asset owner, um, you know, a REIT, um, a retail owner. So owners can buy Procore as well. Yeah. Um, or it could be a GC that's buying Procore, or it could be a trade contractor that's buying Procore. So if we look across our customer base today, uh, in Canada, um, where I kind of have a good handle on the data, um, you know, roughly 50 to 60% of our customers are general contractors, um, a solid you know, 25 to 30% are specialty contractors. And then, uh, you know, another 20 odd percent are, are, you know, asset owners or owners of some description. So when that company or, or that organization buys Procore, it's up to them to then open it up from a collaboration standpoint to anyone they want to collaborate on that project. At the beginning of it, you were talking about um, material, I guess, arriving on site and whether or not that material arrived on site. How are you documenting that? How is that working? Yeah, so, so that one's less so um, of, a, of a feature. That was something that Indus had developed uh, during its time um, and nothing we carried through, through through the acquisition per se. Okay. Um, so the you know large part of that acquisition was really just designed to bring on board the the, the, the processing horsepower, the know-how, and just the wildly intelligent people that came with that acquisition um, that sort of supercharged our artificial intelligence and machine learning capabilities. Um, so that specific um, tool uh, doesn't exist per se, as far as I know today, um, but we're just like using their know-how to sort of you know, supercharge the platform. So another example is, you know, leveraging their expertise to create um you know robo takeoffs and so to so like streamline the the takeoff process and and the uh, estimate estimation process again like reducing the time it would take normally to do that by 30 to 50 percent 
um, just by you know better recognition of rooms and you know patterns that you know the the AI engine has seen before, um, in order to to streamline that what normally is quite a manual activity. But it works for your everyday contractor because you're talking about efficiency here, where you have certain materials being delivered and you physically can't be there at that moment. But if you have some sort of documentation or some awareness that yeah. the material has arrived, it's on site, there it is, and now you're being told, okay, well, it was left here at this specific spot. Now you can come on site and verify that it was done. So, so certainly, like you know, within the financial tools in Procore, you have like the PO tracking capability yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah, and then we're applying AI even to our financial processes. Um, so as a contractor, you'll uh, be able to get uh, early warning indicators on general conditions um, and uh, other types of early warning indicators based on risk, risk factors we see from the data. So we can then start going back historically through um, jobs that you've run before that look and smell differently to this job. Yeah. And then we can kind of give you advance notice on where we perceive risk on a job. Um, so again, just you can't imagine the number of places that, you know, that level of um, artificial intelligence um, is being leveraged today. So you guys rolled that out how long ago? That's recently. So the acquisition happened in uh, last year, I think, uh, you know, in the, in the dog days of COVID. Uh, yeah. um, but we, we, we've sort of brought that team on board and, and they're releasing capabilities all the time. So um, the, the, the quick capture stuff I talked about was earlier this year. Um, but there's a, there's a, like a, a full, um, you know, highway of delivery that they're working on right now that that will be coming to market. And um, you're finding that on the Procore website to actually get a, yeah, a so demonstration actually, of it? Or? Yeah, certainly. So the Procore website's a really good place to go. And, and I probably should, should mention this more than I do. But if you go to support.procore.com, okay. um, you will see everything that's new on the Procore platform. You can see what we've developed in the last, you know, 18, 24, 36 months, uh, tool by tool. Um, and you'll get a glimpse on some of the stuff we're working on, and it will absolutely blow you away. So, Jazz, let's let's at this point let's talk about some numbers. Exactly what it's costing, like or, or the, the variety of different programs that you can sign up for. Yeah. So, what are those numbers like for anybody that's listening? Yeah. So easy. It's always the the million dollar question, right? <laughs> so, well, hopefully uh, it's not a million. Yeah. Right. Um, no. So it it, it it varies, right? So it's um, the easiest way to describe it is it's it's a mix between. Um, the annual construction volume, so the the cost of construction that you put through the platform. Uh, so that's not your total cost of construction because not every project, you may not put every project through Procore. You, we, we would yeah. pro obviously love if you did, um, but only what runs through the platform. So it, it's a combination of that plus the specific tools that you want to leverage. So we have um, you know estimation tools in our pre-construction suite. Uh, we have um, our project management tools, our quality and safety tools, our financial tools, our BIM tools. Our, um, you know, there's a whole host of analytics. You, you name it. There's about 14 or 15 different tools. And so based on the mix of those, uh, plus your construction volume will sort of arrive you at a price. And that'll give you your, your figure. Your fee. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But there is no set fee on just getting started. You can't because it determines on how you're going to run your business. Exactly right. Okay. Yeah, so we'll typically do that as part of a uh, of an evaluation, um, and you know any customer or prospective customer listening today, like you know, we'll sit down and we'll we'll kind of open up, um, you know, and be like super transparent about how to a evaluate software uh, and b what to look for. And as we go through that process, we can also put together. We have value engineers on team that can start putting together. Um, return on return on investment analysis as well. Even if you're a small small p potential customer, yeah. 
um, so that you can go back and really crunch the numbers and go, well, how much time am I truly saving with a Procore deployment? Um, where, are, where, where are the productivity gains? What's my cost for Procore? What, what sort of other software can I retire as a result of my ability to bring on Procore as a complete platform? And so through that analysis, we can also ensure that you know, customers feel really good about their investment as well. Do you, can you, um, and I don't know this, but can you actually input the way you're running your business right now? What do you mean by as that? As a baseline. So can you, as a, a new user, come in here and go, this is how I'm running my show. This is how many employees I have. This is how many projects I have. This is the cost of the projects. Uh, this is how long it's taking to, to get an idea of where we can learn efficiency, where we can see, where we can change things. Is that a possibility? There? Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, you're kind of describing an ROI calculator for us. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah 100%. But you yeah. can start that way with you guys, where yeah. you guys come in. I go here. I'm a dinosaur driving a car with square wheels. How do I make this car more efficient and not be a Neanderthal? Right? <laughs> Basically, for layman's words, right? But, but yeah. that's great that you can do that because I would love to see that. That's a cause and effect with a tradesperson where they're like going, okay, this is working. Yeah. This is going to make my business work a lot more efficiency, yeah. efficient so then I can actually have more time, whether it's for personal or whether it's for more projects. Right. Um, so 100%, um, we can absolutely do that. And... Um, you know, I'd prefer in a lot of ways that people did come to us with with an open mind yeah. and said, like, "Hey, can can you just, you know, we we, we obviously have a horse in the race, uh, but but at the same time, we want to see the industry succeed. Uh, we want to see people successful with our software because that reflects on us. Uh, and our only way to do that is ensuring we're delivering value on the back end. Um, so, hundred percent, we would do that all day long. And we have, you know, the, here's here's the other thing: we have the benefit of fourteen thousand customers globally. Um, so we've seen the movie you know yeah. a, a few times uh, <laughs> how we know how it ends and you know and uh and how we get there yeah. um, and so we can provide all that information and that knowledge to anyone who's looking at it where's the future of Procore going i mean i can only assume that you know uh, you guys are still thinking forward and still thinking that there are some missed opportunities still in construction whether it doesn't matter if it's residential commercial industrial construction but there's still some opportunities where you can be i guess more mindful uh, there's always room to improve, right? I think ESG is a big one. Okay. You know, so uh, everyone talks about environmental, social governance. Um, and so yeah, if you think about 50% of CO2 emissions globally are a result of, you know, uh, you know, or, or, or attributed to the built, built, built environment. Of course. Um, yeah, that's a big potential opportunity for us and for the industry to, uh, A, reduce that footprint, uh, B, be lot, to your to your words be a lot more mindful mm -hmm. about how we attack that issue um, and if we're I mean this is a global industry that's growing from 8 trillion today to 14 trillion in 2030 that's almost doubling in the space of six years eight years it's crazy um, that's remarkable yeah. right that type of growth and there's I think um, the stats were something like 25 trillion square feet of space needs to be built um, which is like just just numbers that are staggering that I can't even wrap my head around. Um, and another two and a half billion people globally um, that we need to provide places to live, to work, to play, to get healthcare, right? These are the things, and I'm a software ven vendor or software provider, but hey, it's just as incumbent on us to help our contractor partners deliver on some of those promises globally yeah. um, because it, you know, it, it, it's critically important to, you know, the, the world we live in and for the future generations to come. So yeah, I think I, that's a big topic. It makes me think, are you guys actually um, in cahoots with passive building people? 
trying to figure out assessing are you, can we also attach a procore to assessing uh, air exchanges and actually uh, diagnosing like a whole house and trying to figure out certain things are you guys doing that as well yeah we've, we've done some work like we, we basically kicked off initiatives in the last couple of years um, some of what you can see in procore right now um, is the ability to track carbon emissions um, through some of our partner solutions um, I think EC3 is one of them um, strictly on the job site yeah. Or are we also to factoring in, I guess, transport and arriving on the job site? Kind yeah, of so thing. it can be a variety of a inputs. Variety. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we're, 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 we're just another input in a lot of ways, right? Um, but, you know, and the other thing as well, like I, I want to just point out as well, if if we can reduce the amount of rework uh, globally in Canada, whatever, on a, on a single job site, I mean, that in itself. That's had, huge. Yeah, right. You yeah. Know? And so I think that's important to us. Like if, if we can improve a process, if we can drive an efficiency, if we need fewer people, um, if we can reduce rework, uh, if we can de-risk uh, jobs in general, if we can have them finish on time on budget, um, then a lot of ways we're solving for that issue directly or indirectly. I love it. Let me let me do a little um, OBC talk here. I want to talk a little bit concrete. Always everybody's got some favorite loves with concrete i'm sure you've met all these individuals types of concrete as per the obc approved uh there are a few different types type s concrete is a type in which coarse aggregate is is granite quartzite silica gravel and other dense materials containing at least 30 percent quartz and chair chair or flint and then there's type n concrete which is uh the type in which the coarse aggregate is in cinders broken brick blast furnace slag limestone uh gravel trap rocks sandstone then there's type l concrete it is the type in which all aggregate is expanded slag expanded clay expanded shale or pumice uh, type l again is concrete and is the type in which all the aggregates is expanded shale uh, then there's type l40s concrete in type that in which the fine portion of the aggregate and sand and low density aggregate in which the sand does not exceed 40 percent of the total volume of the aggregates in the concrete and then there's type l20 S and type L20SS. Concretes are types in which the fine portion of the aggregate and sand and low density aggregate in which the sand does not exceed 20% of the total volume of the all aggregates. So even the OBC has uh, different types of aggregates, man. We just share, Jazz, we just share information. <laughs> I don't even know what that is because I'm not a concrete guy. <laughs> I'm used to the truck, man. That's all I'm used to the truck showing up on site. Uh, I really want to know where else you guys are going to go because I can only assume that, yeah, and you probably can't share as much, but I can only assume that you guys are really thinking uh, about some serious things in the future, about how yeah. our construction landscape is going to be different for yeah. us, whether it's a small business or a big business. Yeah, I think we're, we're thinking about that all the time. Like, you know, when we when we put together strategic roadmaps or, um, you know, how we think about the industry and how we think about our role in the industry, we're usually looking five to 10 years out at minimum. Um, and so we don't always have, we're not always going to deliver on everything we, we lay out. Um, but we, we want to make sure that we're sort of building for the long term. Um, and so that's kind of the, the, the direction we're taking. And everything we've talked about today, like AI and ML, big big pieces of that yeah. puzzle. Um, I think the other one will be our ability to connect contractors with one another. Um, and so, you know, uh, you know, something like a construction network of, of sorts and create a network effect. Um, and that gives you know contractors the ability to connect their Procore instance to another contractor's Procore instance and then share information between the two. 
um, which again just improves the overall level of collaboration that happens between uh, trades. Uh, also allows us to improve the amount of data and the data quality that folks are getting. So I think that's a big piece. Um, the other one as well is just around insights and data in general, right? So I mean, you know, we we think about data uh, as an input and something we put into a system. Yeah. What we really have to think about is how do we extract that data and make the best use of it? You know, where where does it tell us what we should be concentrating on in our in our in our projects in our jobs? In order to become more efficient, and so we've we've also leveraged a tool called uh, Procore Analytics, um, which is designed to provide some of those insights to our customers, um, so that they can make more real time decisions uh, and a lot more leading indicators, right, on, on where yeah. their business is heading, as opposed to always having to do a post mortem after the fact. Of course, right? um, I want to bring up the R word because I know that you guys got started after the the last big recession yeah and i guess with Procore in the u.s you guys would have been affected a tiny bit with the last housing crisis back in 09 right. uh but i mean we've had so many guests on the show talk about the potential of a recession happening next year and some people actually believe that's already going on are you guys shifting gears are you guys um preparing for that or are you guys thinking that it will or won't happen or how are we going to navigate through pricing, tendering, estimating, all that stuff with a recession if it does happen? Yeah, I think I think we see it. Um, you know, interestingly enough, in, in North America, I'm not sure if it's going to be as deep or as long-lasting as it might be in other parts of the world. Um, and so we, we definitely see the impact of interest rates and inflationary pressure. And uh, we've all seen the issues around supply chain over the last two, yep. two or three years. Um, but, you know, I think there's there's a world in which, you know, even if you look at um, StatScan data, I, th- I believe um, there's still growth in in the IC- in ICI. Um, there's growth in institutional. Um, you know, the, the, the public purse is fairly open um, for, for those projects. Um, and the only area where there seems to be a, you know, a partial decline or slowdown at the moment is is in residential Custom um, resi. Yeah, custom, yeah, resi, just resi starts yeah, in general, track, right? Yeah. And so I think a lot of folks are just waiting on the sidelines, waiting for um, inflation to peak and then sort of come back, come down off its highs um, and the interest rate climate just, to, you know, at least to become known because uh, I don't think people really are clear on kind of what where the next increase is going to come from. Uh, but I think once there's a level of confidence around, hey, you know, we, we've reached a certain sort of, um, uh, you know, a, a known level, a known entity, then I think things will sort of pick up again. And, and, and candidly, the other thing that we see is that there's a significant amount of backlog that folks are working through at the moment as well. And so there's enough, at least for the short term, to keep people working and to allow them time to catch up. It's true. Yeah. yeah. Were you seeing a lot of tradespeople during the material highs? that were going on in the last two years, were they overwhelmed using the Procore and trying to calculate estimates that were going out today, but yeah. couldn't keep this up for another week or two because we didn't know the commodities. Well, we, we didn't know what was going on, right? It's it's out of date. The, the yeah. second uh, that a bid is submitted, submitted. it's out of date. <laughs> you, yeah. you know, uh, there's, there's no way you can hold a price for 90 days, let alone five days. Uh, so I, I think there's still some of that, you know, it's definitely, um, it's definitely an unknown environment today. And I think that, again, we're such a resilient industry and we're so bloody smart. Like, I think people are trying to figure out right now, well, how do I um, onshore a lot of that, um, yeah. you know, uh, supply and, and how much can we invest in prefab and what does that look like? And can we manufacture that, you know, 100 kilometers from the job site? 
Um, and I think the more we do that, you know, over time, uh, the more independent we'll become of, of those types of issues in the long term. So you've, you've gone to enough trade shows, Jazz. I mean, I think yeah. we, we met through a trade show yeah, as well. Yeah, we did indeed. And you've seen quite a cross-section of tradespeople that you've spoken to. Yeah. Are we pretty much all the same? Like we all have the same kind of problems. We all have to try to solve the same kind of problems. We all are trying to build the best and build the best business. I think so in yeah. general in, in, in broad strokes, I think so. Because look, I mean, um, the reality is uh, at the end of the day, we're, we're, a, we're an industry and we're a community, right? And the reason we have these types of shows, which is fantastic, by the way, is because we're solving common issues, yes, right? And we're, we're sort of reaching out to an audience that's all dealing with the same stuff. Now, it can change and vary day to day, um, but ultimately the, the, the big ticket items are all the same. You know, we've talked about them today. We've said digital transformation, labor yes, shortage, yeah, you yeah. know, back office to front office, uh, communication, collaboration, um, you know, uh, managing your workforce. Like all of those things are very common to everybody. Are you guys also solving the, the biggest problem of all is trying to get more people into the industry? Yeah, yeah. It's actually... Uh, a to big, make it attractive. Oh, 100%. Big, right. big focus for us. We actually spun up a team in 2016 um, it's actually a, a, a non-profit arm of Procore. So if you go to procore.org.org, um, you'll see what, what work we're doing. And a lot of that's involved in bringing Procore into institutes of higher learning and into the high schools. So if you're thinking about like, okay, well, I, I want to get into the trades yeah. um, and uh, you know, you want to learn more about technology and, and we want to effectively attract people as, you know, to construction as a STEM field. Yes. And the more we can do that, and the more Procore can be part of that sort of uh, uh, strategy and mission, uh, then I think that's going to pay dividends. So we actually provide our solution at no cost uh, with a full curriculum to uh, higher, ed, higher ed institutions and high schools all, all across Canada and all across the U.S. Wow. Yeah. A smart. Yeah. Very, very smart. So get them using it right away. Yeah. And, and you and know. Understanding it. And, and yeah, for sure. Yeah, but and but also just I'll tell you what you know there's there's uh, there's an element of when that person graduates and gets on a job site, it actually puts them in a much better position on day one in terms of being productive and effective on that job site, because they've already seen what construction tech what looks can like be done, yeah. and what can be done. Yeah. yeah, they can bring new ideas and they can innovate. You know, so I think there's there's a lot of benefit and value to that. So so we're trying to do it from that perspective, um, and we're just trying to like you know support any other initiatives that you know are happening in the industry as well so we always work with the associations um, we try and do outreach where we can to get folks involved uh, we're trying to work with women in construction uh, to make sure we drive more women into the trades um, we're also working with the Afri afro-caribbean association in toronto um, to see if we can support diversity in the trades as well mm. if you look at the statistics in north america 10 percent of construction's workforce is a combination of women and people from ethnic minorities. And that number hasn't changed in 30 years, wow. right? So you, there's a lot of opportunity there when 50% of people um, actually refer to themselves as you know, non-white today. The fact that only 10% of those people are represented in the workforce is probably a miss on the part of construction yeah. and the industry. So that's a, that's a problem we absolutely need to solve. Um, so those are some of the areas we, we invest in and take time in, but but it's it's a big issue for us. And, and you've been doing that since 2016? 2016, yeah. We officially launched something in 2016 because wow. we just saw the need at that time. And uh, So you guys have a lot of data behind all that for the last six years, going on seven years now. Yeah, yeah, a lot of data, a lot of programs, yeah. a lot of really bright people that deliver our programs for us. And we're very thankful that we've been able to build partnerships with a lot of these uh, 
associations and and universities as well like you know the southern Al- alberta institute of technology is one uh, george brown college is another uh and a num- host, host whole host of others across canada but we're, they're not just people who consume our curriculums they're also partners of ours that we work with to see other ways that we can uplift the trades and and really sort of help recruit the next generation of talent it's really funny that you're saying that because this week uh is um we're actually going to record our very first non-english show okay so I've actually, I approached the guest that was on the show, uh, Mahir was an electrician, he's Armenian, and I, I asked him if he would want to be the host. He takes my position, same format, same questions, same kind of everything, yeah. but in his language. Yeah. And then I've already approached people in Portuguese, Italian, Spanish, and the idea is for that. I want to have this conversation to be spoken in their tongue, yeah. and so they can kind of relate to it a lot better. So, Because I do, I've, ever since I've been in construction, I see the immigrant. Yeah. Technically speaking, I am an immigrant. Not right. even technically, I am. I showed up on a plane and got here, and I came <laughs> from a different place. So I'm an immigrant too. Yeah. So I've got a lot of respect for immigrants that are in construction. And so I speak to them on the job site, and I pay attention. I, I like, I like, love working with them. They've got great ideas. They're bringing ideas from abroad, yeah. and they bring it here. So I just said, you know what, let's give this a try. I want to check it out see if it's going to work won't have any idea what he's saying yeah. uh, on the show but it'll be interesting i'll definitely know the portuguese and the italian and the spanish ones but not not armenia i mean that's going to be a challenge but uh we'll see how that works out that's a great initiative I oh I, I totally I because it. i want to open up the show i totally yeah. want to open up the show to try more new ideas yeah yeah uh, i mean and if you um, i don't want to tell you how to do your job but please <laughs> do tell me man but i mean like there's the, the couple of the uh, associations i mentioned like cowick is is a great association for yeah. women and then there's the ACA, which is the afro-caribbean contractors association yeah. um if, if there's an opportunity where you can even get association folks like that that support you know the diversity in the trades yeah. um into this room that would be like awesome how did you guys get like did you just make a phone call or you just kind of bumped into each other and networking or we we make a conscious effort okay like yeah. you know and uh it's really important to us as a team um you know uh so we we live and breathe our own values uh, as a as an organization um and those are openness ownership and optimism um and you know within that you know it, it's important to us that we take accountability for our actions that we're responsible um, and that we really support other people as well. And that we also, you know, at Procore, when we ramp people up and we bring them into Procore, we're t- teaching them from the very beginning about construction. So just, just to give you an example, like we have like a two or three week boot camp uh, when people come into the business. And one of those camps, uh, one of those weeks is focused strictly on construction. So we walk them through the construction process. We give them a, a sort of a, you know, uh, intro to pro uh, intro to construction right yeah. and we take them through interactive games and things like that so when they're walking in they really understand the industry obviously a lot of them come from industry so it's quite easy for them but for anyone else we, we want to make sure that they really feel like they're part of solving a much bigger problem i mean i i love hearing all that kind of stuff it was also recently that i was at ideal products out in ajax there and i got a first glimpse at a vr system yeah. for teaching electrical yeah and I actually put it on. It was the very first time I was actually putting on VR, VR goggles, and it was quite entertaining if you weren't <laughs> inside there with me. Um, but it was extremely real, and the only thing that I was saying to the developers there was uh, the steel studs need to be shinier because they're not 
as real as they should be. But everything else, the wires and the tools and everything else was there. And I was like, I couldn't believe. And it was a, a commercial condo environment. And yeah. when you were looking around the whole thing, 360, um, it was legit. It was concrete. It was ductwork. It was windows. It was everything. And and I could see how this tool would be so valuable for any young generation coming in, yeah. wanting to learn that specific trade. And so they're doing they're doing amazing things. And I'm fascinated yeah. by that kind of stuff. Oh, it's phenomenal. Yeah, v- VR um navigating the the 3d model yeah um and and the ability then to also um you know decentralize that model so you get people like the the silver foxes of yeah. construction like yourself yeah yeah you know who know who know a thing or two um now you can be in the comfort of oakville here um telling someone how to fix something on site because you can be in the same place at the same time like imagine the op- optimization that's involved in that, and we always talk about the the you know the brain drain or the fact that we're going to lose a lot of people in the next ten to twenty years. Oh, we are, we are. But imagine how we could keep them, right? That that's one way we could. It's the educating. That's yeah. what I'm trying, and I, I'm I'm trying very hard. There's a lot of older, even guys older than me that I want to get on the show. Yeah. Uh, it's not that I'm expecting that they'll be six feet under anytime soon. I'm just <laughs> saying I would love to have them on the show to share. I, yeah. I mean, recently we've had some trim carpenters in their 60s. I'm trying to get other ones in their 70s and 80s because the thing is they have stories. They have know-how. Yeah. They have experience. And they don't take the time or care to take the time to be on a job site to educate somebody else yeah. far younger than them. Yeah. Right. But on a show, you throw a mic in front of them. Once you kind of explain what a podcast is to them, because <laughs> they don't really get it, um, they'll, they'll understand it. And then it's just, we'll have a conversation and they'll share and they'll share very, very valuable information. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You say that it's um, superintendents. I've, I've seen it at least with Procore. So just to give you another example of this, yeah. right. Is um, superintendents who maybe aren't as tech savvy uh, will, you know, do kind of like a, a like-for-like trade. So they'll bring a junior superintendent with them, someone they're training, someone they're bringing up, um, and that junior will be responsible for entering everything into Procore. The senior, the Silver Fox, will be responsible for handing over his knowledge or her knowledge to that junior, right? So yeah. everything they know about the job site, which they've learned through touch and feel and smell, yeah. Yeah. they can actually pass on. So it's kind of like this, you know, really weird symbiotic relationship uh, but we found that to be a really good it's tool for, for driving mentorship yeah. and yeah, getting the best for both people. So we just need more of that. We need more of that, 100%. Yeah. Cool. Uh, let me try a little green book talk here, safety. Uh, let me ask you this, see if you know this. At what height do you need fall protection in Ontario? That's a good question. I'm going to guess. I'll say 30 feet. Three meters, 10 feet. Three miles, very low. Yeah. yeah. So the moment you hit ten feet, you need full fall protection. Uh, I'm also here's a little little Q and A kind of here. Uh, what is the fine for not wearing a hard hat? This has been expressed so many times on the show. A couple of the guests have actually been ticketed this way. So what do you think that fine is for not, not wearing, wearing a hard, hard hat? hat. Uh, I want to say it should be a lot. Uh, so let's say seven hundred fifty. It's two hundred and fifty. Okay. Were <laughs> uh, a worker failing to wear protective footwear? I just want to keep on sharing these because I want people to understand as much as that figure is always the same. But uh, worker failing to wear protective footwear. I'll say half of a hard hat, one twenty-five. No, it's two fifty. Okay. Worker <laughs> failing to wear eye protection. Two fifty. Yeah. <laughs> pattern here. Employer failing to ensure training on fall protection. Thousand. Five fifty. Okay. <laughs> so there's just a bunch of 250s and a 550, man. <laughs> what else you want to share, Jazz, that, uh, as we get kind of close to wrapping it up and then we get to the 12 questions? Uh, but uh, what else do we want to know? Um, 
think we've covered a bunch. A I think bunch, we're good. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, maybe we can come back next time and, and show you the tool and yeah, that would be know, wicked to see it. Dive on in and so go through it. Yeah, but I love all the extra, all the other initiatives that you guys. It tells me you guys are just caring about yeah. construction at that point. It's not really any business has been around for twenty years and they're always yeah. coming up with new products and adding more incentives. They are looking long term. They're looking future wise. Yeah, and they're thinking about okay, sure, you're a tradesperson in your twenties now, but now you're in your forties yeah. since we got started. What are you going to be like in your sixties, right? Yeah. And how it's going to be? The landscape's going to change. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think for us, it's a, uh, you know, we're we're really focused on improving the lives of people in construction, um, whether that means getting getting home safe or just getting better tools so you can do your job more effectively, or a combination of both. Like you know, this is the industry we play in. Um, this is all we do every day, all day, and so we better have, you know, uh, some sort of emotional attachment to it. Otherwise, we're in the wrong profession i will say this jazz that i think this year 2022 has been quite a an emotional roller coaster for yeah. tradespeople in general and i and i'll speak to everybody that i've spoken to on the show or i've spoken to on job sites more on the canadian side even though we've done shows abroad and we've done zoom calls from other countries and things um but i definitely think that um most tradespeople today are trying to find minutes if not hours of extra time for their family yeah. A lot of tradespeople, specifically fathers, are really um, disappointed that they can't spend more time with their children and watch their children grow and miss those opportunities. So they're trying to streamline their businesses to give them, allow them that extra time yeah. to have that family time. And and we all had started in this industry in the very beginning. We were just consumed about it. We would work seven days a week. We would work 12 hours a day. And then we would ignore our personal lives. I think the tradesperson of today is trying to find more personal time. Yeah, yeah, it's true of us in software tech as well. Yeah. So one of the things that we deal with is the last two years have taught a lot of people in our business the, about the benefit of being home, being around your kids. I have, I have a 16-year-old and a 14-year-old oh, Wow. who I got to see a lot more than I had for the first <laughs> 12 or 14 years okay. right? Yeah. of their lives. Um, and so because I'd be on a train, I'd be on the go train five days a week going into the office and you lose an hour each way and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And so um, it was amazing for me to have that time and to really get involved in, you know, whether they were playing volleyball or what school they wanted or what university they were thinking of applying yeah. to, or, you know, all that kind of stuff. And that is a pattern that keeps playing out person by person, whether or not you have kids or not, it's sort of irrelevant. It's just that quality of life aspect. So at least in, in, in kind of the tech side of things, like we've, we've tried to, be as sensitive as possible and kind of create like a hybrid environment. Cause I think the one thing that um, also we need is this, right? Yes. You and me across the table, right? Is actually, we'd have a way more productive conversation like this than you and I could ever have on zoom. Yeah. Right. And so how can I get people back into the office to do this, but still give them the time that they need at home so they can really give back to their families. Right. And I think if we can hit that um, sweet spot, it's really difficult because sometimes you're up against the clock, right? This thing has to get built. It needs someone to be on site to do it. Um, and, you know, how, how are you going to um, balance someone's flexibility and an aggressive schedule, you know? We're in the funniest month of the year when it comes to construction. We're into December. Yeah. And there's just always so many pressures of clients asking us or even trying to get supplies and just trying to get th certain things done by a certain time. Yeah. The pressure is on for everybody and they're feeling yeah. it. And the meanwhile, in the back of their head, they're still thinking about their personal family time too yeah. as well. So, what, what have you heard just from people who have come in? Because just from a pro 
from an industry standpoint, what's the industry doing? I, I'm just here. Well, I mean, the unfortunate thing is there's been a lot of uh, separations and things like that. And there's been yeah. a lot of stress going on. And it's just, but that's been across the board, not just construction. But I, I've seen from the tradespeople really trying to figure out how to better their business yeah. to find that efficiency. Yeah. And then use that for either themselves or for their family or a significant other. They're trying to find those little pockets yeah. uh, that are so valuable. They don't want to miss that. Well, and, and you kind of sort of touched on it there in a, in a way, but mental health is really, really important. Huge. Right? I've done several shows. I want to continue doing more yeah. shows on that. Yeah. Yeah. We, we just had our annual trade show in, in New Orleans and Fred Mills was there okay. from the BIM. Um, okay. uh, he has that YouTube channel. Uh, but he, he spoke pretty eloquently about his sort of journey with mental health as well. So the good news is, you know, and Fred is just one example of that, but people getting on stage and actually talking about their experiences uh, and not feeling awkward uh, or out of place doing that is at least a step in the right direction, you know. And I think uh, the more people can talk about that stuff freely and openly, even if you're a 65-year-old super who's kind of, you know what I mean? Like, we always think that they're made of tough stuff. and No, they're you, not. They're you know, regular people. Right, everyone's regular. Everyone's, yeah. you know, everyone cares about the same shit. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, All right, let's get to the 12 questions. I just want to let everybody know again, www.procore.com. Reach jazz at jazz.saraw at procore.com. And also on LinkedIn, you'll find them. And on Instagram, it's Procore Tech. And the phone number is 866-477-6267. You ready for this? Yeah. We didn't do this last time, though. Did this, we? No, we didn't. No, this this was new. This maybe showed up around show 50 or something like right. that. Uh, Jazz, what is your favorite construction word? So um, Procol pays me to say Procol. But uh, <laughs> uh, I, I was thinking about this. I think maybe the word tender. Because, you know, it's kind of a nice word, too. I like that. Yeah. I like that. What is your least favorite construction word? Excel. What turns you on in construction? Um... I think uh, the opportunity that's in front of us. What turns you off in construction? Just outdated thinking. Pe people who can't get outside their own box. Yeah. I know we haven't been cursing here, so you, you, I've been asking people to wave if you don't want to. You have your favorite yeah. curse word? or Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be very English for this one. I'll say, oh. I'll say bollocks. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've heard it in a while, so that's good. <laughs> What's your favorite vehicle, anything in the world? Um, I have a few vehicles. I think there was... Um, and again, people of a certain generation or a certain vintage will know this. Uh, the Vauxhall Lotus Carlton from 1990. Oh, I, know. I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's a beast of a car. It looks like a regular sedan, and then yeah. you put your foot down, and it, it's something very different. Um, What's it cost today? Can you find one? Can you find one is the question. That you can't find one. Yeah, because uh, yeah. you, you'll find an Omega, okay. um, but the original Vauxhall Lotus, I don't think you can find if someone has one, if you uh, do find it, the number is <laughs> going to be so huge, is ridiculous. Yeah. What's your least favorite vehicle in the world? Um, I just have this really bad memory of being in the original Hyundai Pony. Back in the was it beige? It was gray and blue. Yeah, it was, but it was, yeah, it's Rough. just something you know. And I kind of, I've always, I've even got like an associated smell with it. So. <laughs> I wouldn't even go that no, far, but I yeah. bet you there is. I bet you there is. <laughs> what construction sound or noise do you love? Um, I think trucks backing up. You know, I could I could listen to that beep all day long. <laughs> what construction sound or noise do you hate? Uh, a machine grinder or yeah. anything, yeah. yeah. Anything high-pitched. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt one day? Um, actually, I always wanted to be a pilot when I was growing up, and then I never got around to it, just, you know, being a... An immigrant kid, kid growing up in London just didn't really have the opportunity to do that. And then out of the blue, my wife uh, 
talked to me the other day and she said, well, you know, you can still do that. So part of me is now getting the itch to go back out and at least get my license. So. I was just up in the air with a drywall or a mutter. Were you flying? I, I wasn't. He let me fly for a little bit. Okay. Uh, but he, he got his license during the whole, he took care of it. He's got, yeah. I think, four different licenses. He's just got one way. Yeah. And uh, we actually took off uh, and we were up there for about an hour or so. How did that feel? It was fun. It was great. Yeah. You can't yeah. see anything over the dash. I was just like shocked on how, it's very clear at night. When, yeah. Once you start paying attention to all the lights and he's, he's educating me about, you know, what's this mean? I mean, and then he yeah. tried to do a little flyby on Toronto airport there and they wouldn't allow him to do it. So we had to go around <laughs> it, but we came pretty close to CN Tower and everything, but it was yeah. fun. That's it was awesome. lots of fun. So I'm just saying that here's a drywaller and he did it and, yeah. and, and young guy. Well, he's in his thirties, early thirties right now. Yeah. So you never I, know. I, I get younger every year. So <laughs> <laughs> what profession would you not like to do? Um, I have to apologize to all my insurance friends, but I'll say insurance. No. <laughs> Last question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at those pearly gates? Um, I don't know. I think I'd, I'd like him to say jazz. That was a life well lived. Good, man. Yeah. Jess, thanks so much for being back on the show here and talking some shop, man. Okay, we'll so get you back in here. We did 35. We did 300 and something. So I'll see you, what, at 600? <laughs> <laughs> it was 35. No, it won't be that long. I don't think it's going to take that long. But yeah, yeah, it's good yeah. that you came back and remember that one. I totally forgot that one. Yeah, it stuck with me. Trust me. That's funny. Yeah, That's a memory. funny. Everybody, <laughs> check them out you, again. You made me hum, you made me hum uh, Rocky, the themes of Rocky. Or, oh, or, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't make anybody make do, anything. do anything. You didn't make do anything. <laughs> Everybody does it of their own accord, man. I just, I just, that's it. We don't press record unless you start. Yeah. That's all it is. Thank you so all much. Right. Everybody check it out again. www.procore.com. Jazz.saraw at procore.com. And on Instagram, it's Procore Tech. And LinkedIn, find them. And the phone number, 866-477-6267. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Angelina. We're out of here.